I haven't read this thing yet. What is it? It's a V Wars advertisement. God, I'm sick of this V Wars ad. You just don't like dudes in tank tops. I'm just all jealous. Piercing blue eyes. Five Marvel books and an image book. Nothing else came out, dude. Yeah. DC had like. I read a Dark Horse book. I don't remember what it was, but I think I read three DC books. Dude. Welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast, 161, the first of 2020. A couple of buddies who uh, own and run a comic shop who uh, gather once a week to talk about all the great things that came out that week. We go to UPS, we go home, we come back here, we engage in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the books, the shop that we know, love, and reside in, or the comings and goings of our lives. I'm 2020 Jeff, and I uh, replaced my body with Diamond. I'm 2020 Django. And I'm just more and more impressed every time that you start the podcast, oh. and I think, what is he going to take that's appropriate out of what, whatever we just talked about for a cold open? 30 minutes have recorded, so something's got to be there. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> would, you, <laughs> would you kill all the horrible things I said? Never mind. I remember what you just decided that you were going to use. We right. got it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Your brain is uh, steel trap. Steel trap. Diamond Trap. Diamond Trap. 2020, Jeff. Tw Diamond. <laughs> I'm 2020 Roman, and I'm blown away it's 2020. Because yeah. I remember, like, in high school, like, reading, like, Iron Man 2020 and going, <clears throat> oh, my, that's so inconceivably far in the future. Uh, Iron Man 2020 was, like, this last week. That's yeah, like it's it's just, no, no, when he first showed up. coming up. <laughs> oh, Machine okay. Man 2020, that miniseries. Okay. That, start, that comes out in, like, two months. You're chronologically the, the, No, they're just spot. bringing all that stuff back. <laughs> 2020 Roman, I think you're confused about that because 2020 Roman, callback to a joke, he fucked up. He replaced his body with dried salmon, and uh, he's just been sort of munching on himself for like the last two days. This Guys, crazy. I, I, I think I fucked up. But I'm delicious. I got, I'm this, a, got this fish brain that can't absorb all these comments. A dried fish brain. Roman, your animal impersonations are on point. Like, it's either you're a horrific pig, slicey the pig, point graphic novel, or you're like a fish that I just kind of want to have a profile shot of you making that face for a while. What, the fish? The fish? The one you just did oh man it's really good from the side i've never seen a fish look really? so much like a bird I've, exactly, <laughs> I've never seen a man look so much like a fish bird call me, um call me manimal we're gonna be spoiling some stuff it's 2020 i don't give a fuck about how much discretion you want me to have i'm just putting it all out there it's been a crazy time these two days django we're gonna spoil it why don't you tell them what we're gonna spoil well this week on the podcast we're gonna spoil thor number one we're going to spoil Hawkeye Freefall number one. We're also going to spoil X-Men number four. And eventually, we'll get around to spoiling Doctor Strange number one. I don't know about this guy. And also Star Wars number one. Oh, God. And Olympia number two. The Deuce. 
Oh, the dude. number two <laughs> Olympia, <week>. the deuce. <laughs> Welcome um, to Doctor Strange and the Deuce. That's a piss load of Marvel books, everybody. So I um, I think we should do some buckshots to go with it. Oh, we'll we should do, do some buckshots to go with it. We'll uh, do some buckshots to go with it. I've only got a couple things, but yeah, we'll do it. Um, we're also going to, as you, I'm sure, noticed, everybody, that Doctor Strange was from <clears> last <throat> week. Um, we'll probably give a little bit to incoming this week, but you might hear a couple things from last week since we took the week off and it was a really small week. Um, don't be upset about that. Don't look at me like you're upset, no. dear no. listener. Jeff gets one week off the podcast a year. <laughs> and uh, in that week, all he really wants to do is record the podcast. But everybody true. else says, no, Jeff, take a chill pill. I spent I spent the entire week with inventory on the brain, like cripplingly so. I couldn't do anything else. I couldn't have a, any sort of meaningful conversation with Erica, like... Everything in my brain was being used to think about inventory, which is silly because it we just kind of scan there and do it. And yeah. like, it's not hard. It just, it, it fills my whole brain up with a database. Yeah. There were several days where Django was here until probably dawn, <clears throat> um, doing, in, in, importing data and people were around, uh, scanning, scanning barcodes. I scanned, you know, five, 5,000 barcodes one Monday evening in this store 6, right now. We have about 11,119 individual barcodes, which means that between the people who all did the scanning, we scanned way more than that because we have more than one of most of those barcodes. A lot of those. Things. That's a lot of little clicks on those on those scanner guns. Let's talk about <laughs> Thor number one. Donnie Cates, Nick Klein, and Matt Wilson. Where did my Thor go? You got it right there on the top of your steezy. I don't always care about Thor. <gasps> But you have for the last six years, six or seven years. Yeah, I've liked Jason Aaron's Thor. He created a tone for that character that I liked. Um, I liked the art in that for the most part. I've liked some Grant, um, not Grant Morrison, uh, Garth Ennis Thor. I don't has, know that I've read that. He hasn't done a ton, but he did some like six issue okay. series. But I like those. In general, he kind of goes into a Doctor Strange realm for me, which is like, I like you. I'm glad you exist, but I don't necessarily want to read stories. It's a little high concept <clears> fantasy <throat> for me, and, and as everyone, I'm sure, knows. I'm not necessarily your fantasy guy. I liked this issue a lot. I thought you might because yeah. of Galactus well, landing so in Asgard. We've been getting a little bit of a Galactus resurgence <clears throat> lately. He's yeah. been in like Marvel's history of the universe, Mark Wade's history universe man. Um, <laughs> he was in this Thor book. Ultimates. He was in that Ultimates run where he became the life bringer. He was in... Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Silver Surfer Black. Uh-huh. So he's yeah. been all over lately. And what I've liked is we've been kind of doing this not terrible guy galactus like he's not and i think if we go back to even the original stan and jack stuff he was a little bit more of an objective force right like he was going to destroy mm -hmm. the reality but he you know like he got scared because the ultimate nullifier he agreed he wasn't going to destroy the reality and he left i like that we've been getting some objective galactus but this one i knew the galactus was in it um because we were Django didn't really spoil much for me but we recorded a youtube video but then i watched the youtube video and there were some visuals in it and Galactus <laughs> falls on Asgard, spoilers. Yeah. And I wish that I had not had that spoil because that <laughs> page turn was exactly what comics can do very well. Of just like yeah. Thor's about to give this speech and he's nervous and he starts talking. And then you turn the page and it's just a double page spread of Galactus falling Crack into <laughs> And like, what the fuck is that? Yes, yeah, I had no idea. So that 
that one really worked for me. It was cool. I bet that went over well. <laughs> yeah. Because right before, he's about to give a speech, and he notices this. There's, like, some slight snowfall and stuff, and Thor's like, I didn't cause that. What's going on? And then they see Galactus. <laughs> yeah. I really like the opening scene. Yeah. I think even, even more than the Galactus reveal, which I thought was really well done and made me interested just because Galactus <laughs> always feels like he goes after planets. And I know this is probably incorrect, but Asgard never felt like a planet to me. It felt, I guess it is a realm, right? So Galactus has gone to another realm. Don't look at me yeah. when you ask that, this. Is that right? Yeah. That's a it's, a, it's a mythology. It's, it's a realm on the world tree. So yeah, it's not a planet. Right. I think if it kind of is like the DC multiverse where there's sort of realities overlapping and, and yeah. the, the world tree is sort of a, a different harmony or frequency of the reality that it's we know. It's a really big freaking branch. It's like the biggest <laughs> fucking tree I've ever seen. So like having Galactus breach that that barrier and go fuck with Thor, I, I was excited about that because yeah. it, it seems above even Galactus to me. And and it seems maybe a little too petty for Galactus to bring a beef across the realms. Like, and, you know, granted, I don't know a lot about that kind of stuff. But what I really liked was the opening scene where Thor's hammer is just, like, traveling through all the all nine realms. Mm-hmm. Nine? Twelve? Yeah. Twelve? Nine? I'm just trying to fuck you up. <laughs> all, all 12 Zodiacs. And, uh, they didn't ever catch him. They didn't catch it, but, but it, it, it goes through <laughs> this monster's head on Earth. And then it comes back to him, and he just kind of did it, I think, because he was bored being a king. Helping the Avengers. Helping the yeah, Avengers. Kind like, of showing off to Lady Sif. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I really liked that, like, casual, oh, yeah, I'm going to save the day well, from nine realms away. And then Tony Stark gets a Sharpie, and he, he's like, anybody got a Sharpie? And then <clears> the <throat> hammer goes back up to Thor, and it says, nice shot, enjoy your retirement. Yeah. Really effective exposition. Oh, yeah. Let me tell yeah. you, if you haven't been reading Thor, Thor is the king now. He's retired. He won't be helping the Avenger. Like, it was, right. that's a really great way. Like, it speaks to Donny Cates' skill as a writer to yeah. not bore us with exposition and just, like, I don't know if that is clearly different to anybody else, but that's showing and not telling. And, oh, yeah. And I, I, I think that that's... I think Donny Cates, for his, you know, come with us. Come with me. Come with me. Dear friend, dear listener, where are we going? To the Kate's Gate, oh, just beyond place. the mind's eye. That's a crow. That's a crow you're hearing there. Um, he's, you know, I think of him as sort of like creative beefcake man. Yeah, and that's a that's a really good. <laughs> I'm gonna hashtag him with that. Creative beefcake, um, and I really, I really do like him. But this, he's more skillful than that creative beefcake nomenclature really allows him to to own. I would say. Can we just clarify? When you hashtag it, I would appreciate the man at the end of that. Creative beefcake man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, Roman, can I tell you a couple things that I liked in this? Because I know Django doesn't give a fuck about this, and I know that you (laughs) liked it quite a bit. Uh, So here's the thing that I really liked. I really liked that this symbol that's on his costume is this uh, symbol within the, the language. Yeah, it's a rune. A rune. And it has this meaning of the great thorn protruding from the tree of life. And I really like the sort of guilt baggage that uh, maybe Thor could assign to himself. Like with that, like he rebuilt the world tree, but it has this sort of almost backhanded reference to himself that kind of acknowledges that he's the key, but the king, but maybe also maybe we're going to go back to Odin eventually being the <clears throat> king of Asgard and stuff. Like he's he's a temporary leader is kind of how that felt to me. Yeah, um, And I that's really the like, big P? Yeah, it's the yeah. big P, Django. 
And then I, I loved the moment where he says, leave me, Loki. And should you enter my kingdom unbidden again? As he picked up the hammer. And I was, as just reading that, I was like, oh, that's weird. Has he ever made a sound while yeah. picking up the hammer? And then the way that that within several panels came back to Loki being like, oh, I've never heard you strain to do that. Like, good storytelling. Yeah. Really effective, not telling, but yeah. showing. Yeah. And he had a lot of that just in that sequence because he, he like just once Thor refers to Loki as king of the frost giants so mm-hmm. boom there you go Loki's king of the frost giants now by the way yeah there was uh, Stumpy Galactus Stumpy Galactus <laughs> with one arm was really cool I really like the the relationship that he ironed out with Loki and Thor like the, oh. the contemptuous brother thing especially after what happened with War of the <clears throat> Realms that like I, I guess with Thor stuff it's hard to place for me in the same way that like Django doesn't necessarily love super far cosmic stuff. For me, it's like, is this fantasy? Is this reality? Where are these gods? How do they fit into the Marvel reality? Hercules, where is he? What is all that? Um, so sometimes it can feel kind of like a chore to establish it. And he did it pretty effortlessly here. I also really liked this, the Silver Surfer creating these, he's hidden these planets that are important from Galactus. Like there's just some... Yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, and the fact Galactus later on mentions that how impressed he is that the surfer hid these five planets for untold eons, however, right. from his knowledge. Yeah, um, and I loved, you know, obviously I'm just kind of giving the, the theories of all of this stuff out, but, like, I loved that Galactus, the the way that Thor's costume has changed and the why, the reason he's mm. different is because he's, he's become a herald, like he's been endowed with the power cosmic, and I think that that is a very Donny Cates thing. Yeah. Yeah, I love that too, because at first I was like, what's with this goofy new costume? Right. It's got a really cool reason behind it. What do you give it? I got two different scores for it. I appreciate that. Roman, is there anything else you want to chum out of this? Because you liked I, it a lot, and you're my Thor I guy, loved it, because so. I love chum, Thor, I love the joke? different... No, it's a Django. We call it... Man, Justin <clears throat> had a great thing about Django chum yesterday, but I feel what it is. <laughs> I, I love the, uh, the, the way Marvel's worked in the different god pantheons. In, in their universe. Um, I love runes. I, and I read somewhere, I thought, I think the rune might change occasionally on his torso. Oh, cool. But this is cool that it's that one because runes mean like not only a letter, but they have different meanings and words. Right. A rune represents a word. And that, I guess, is Thor's. I love seeing the different heralds show up, though I don't even know who that one is. Yeah, there's a couple heralds in there that I don't recognize. Yeah. I'm going to give it a 10. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh, oh, zip! I don't, zip, I don't even whoop. mind the the goofy headband now because I know it's a Galactus thing. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> man, you know, I started it, and I hate to say it, but there was a part of me that was like very ready to just say like, okay, I just liked the one Thor run. You know, like I just like what Jason Aaron did with it. There was a not that I like to advertise cynicism, but there was a part of me that was a little like skeptical going into it. And, you know, took four pages, and I was, like, totally on board. I, I, I really liked it. So, yeah, nine for me. Really, really good. I hope that it can sustain a level of loving Thor for me. I got two scores for it. Yeah. Thoth gold. Django gives it a seven. Yeah. Just not really my thing. Thoth gold. Thorthgorth. Yes. Thorthgorth and seven years ago. Seven years ago. I'm going to make him Thor. I'm going to give it a seven for Django. Okay. I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it a nine and a half for for Donny Cates, because uh, this this feels like prime Donny Cates. If this is Donny Cates 2020, I'm ready for Donny Cates 2021. It's it's big, dumb. 
exciting. And when I say that Donny Cates is the Michael Bay of the Marvel Universe, I mean it in the best. Yeah. yeah. Better than the best possible way because calling him Michael Bay limits him to something. And I think that like the scope and the ridiculousness of what he sets out to do and then actually pulls off, even even in a comic that I don't really care about the setting, I don't really care about the cosmicness, like all this comic had everything against it for me and I enjoyed reading it. So You know who I consider Donny Cates in terms of a film analog? Oh god. The Peter Jackson of comic books. That's probably oh. better. Yeah. yeah, except he made some pretty bad movies too. Everyone, I'm so excited to talk about Hawkeye Freefall. It is admittedly um I think that when you get to know somebody or research a work heavily, you lose objectivity for it in a, in a regard. Uh, so Hawkeye Freefall, I've lost some objectivity for. Um, I became a pretty huge fan of Matthew Rosenberg by learning about the guy and getting to talk to him. And Otto Schmidt is an artist that I absolutely love. What, I, what has surprised me is the number of people who have said like, oh, this is not your most typical Otto Schmidt. And I do agree, it is a little bit more kinetic or motion filled for his art, but it's still kind of indelibly uh, Otto Schmidt to me. But Hawkeye Freefall number one by Rosenberg and Schmidt, uh, big fan of this issue. Not a huge fan of Hawkeye, um, but just- Even the Matt Fraction one? I like the Matt Fraction one, uh, the, the, the delays and I'm a huge fan of the first half of the Fraction. Okay. Um, okay. And I fair. like the second one, of course, <clears throat> the second half. But um, but it got a little bit full of itself by the end. This one, you know, he just, like, he told us the albums that influenced it. He told us the movies that he was watching. So when I am looking at this or reading this, I'm hearing the music that I listened to a bunch because he was talking about that. So it's a little bit, you know, I, I like it a lot. And uh, that that is what I'll say about it. I enjoyed it also. Uh, I don't I don't think that this looks like typical auto. Typical auto. It doesn't look like Schmidt. the DC stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's and I guess sexual. that's that's most of my experience with him. Um, one thing that struck me when I was reading this is how kind of how Hawkeye has managed to stay totally different than the movie Hawkeye. Like you can't see. Endgame Hawkeye in this at all. And I don't think that through any of the Marvel stuff that's come out lately, you really can. And I think that's impressive because most of the time a movie comes out and those characters kind of start mirroring the... Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. is a great example of that. Yeah, yeah. As different as this Hawkeye is from the... Uh, Matt Fraction Hawkeye or, you know, the ones that have come between, um, this this, this guy still has a very... uh, recognizable voice yeah throughout this issue and uh i, I like kind of the the mundane crime that he's going after mm-hmm. and like it's kind of man can you imagine being a superhero that goes to court to get disappointed because of a loophole or a like a little bit of graft like that's a bummer dude that's a hard spot to be in superhero and that's one of the things <laughs> i like so much about this is just the like it's a new tone on him for me, and I like the kind of chip on his shoulder, mm-hmm. and I like... Um, the shit on his shoulder. The Bucky-Hawkeye relationship and tales to tales of suspense that he did, yeah. the five-issue miniseries of, with like the love triangle between Hawkeye and Bucky and uh, Black Widow. I really dug it. I, I really liked the dialogue. I, it was interesting to hear you guys say that, because I thought... Throughout this, I thought, oh, okay, well, this is keeping with Hawkeye's characterization, not from Matt the Rosenberg, because I've only read volume one of that. 
I think um, you mean Matt Fraction. Or yeah, the yeah, Matt Fraction. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not f- that familiar with that because I just started it. But this is in keeping with Hawkeye's personality, like in West Coast Avengers in okay, the '80s cool. and and earlier on to a lesser extent in the Avengers because he was always kind of the smart ass when he first joined the team. He was always given Captain America, who got him on the team, a hard time because he later admitted because he felt so intimidated by Cap and wanted to be like Cap, but he knew he couldn't. Mm. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. I'm not not a huge fan of the art, but, you know, it's fine. Yeah, I... One thing I was going to ask you guys, so the Hood, his henchmen, are are they humans? Are they trolls? What's the deal? I don't really know anything about the hood. That was what he was saying was another big influence. I don't on the much run either. The the Brian K. Vaughn hood run, and then the new Avengers stuff with the hood and the Ronin era. Um, so I don't know too much about him. Yeah. You're the only person. That's I, ever I read all that. Yeah. yeah, I read all that. The original mini K. Vaughn stuff was great. In fact, I kind of wish they had left it at that. Yeah, I give the book an eight an eight point five. Like I I like it a lot. Um, if I didn't do any interviewing or anything, it might be more like an eight. But I, I mean, I, I'm really fond of the the artist, and at this point, I really like the guy. Like he's a he's a good guy. So um, yeah, eight point five. I give it a seven and a half. <clears throat> um, and I'm gonna keep reading it. So I definitely will as well. Yeah, that's mission accomplished. Comic book. Roman, you I, just I was, read everything. I so. was <laughs> I was definitely gonna give it a seven and a half. Nice. Bingo. Bango. Django. Bongo. Guy. Always comes back to me. That's what it is to be around <laughs> Django. <laughs> um, okay. <clears throat> we swear. Some weeks, I guess there was like a several month period where we're like 80% of the books we talked about were DC books. So I'm not going to feel super guilty about the fact that we've Marvel stacked uh, this week. Dude, there just wasn't much for DC. Yeah. I'm going to buckshot one, maybe nice, two. Nice. But yeah, I, even I read. And you're the DC like guy. Nine Marvel books this week, yeah. or something like it's that. It's just they they cranked them out. But let's talk about X Men number four. Surprise! Jonathan Hickman, Laniel Francis, you, John, who? Gary Hickman. Jonathan Hickman. Yeah, yeah. Hickman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What did you guys think of this? I talked about it on the YouTube video. I've talked about it beforehand. Roman Rowe, my, my man. man. What'd Hello, you think? Baby. Yo. Ayo, baby, you <laughs> fucking weird guy, you. <laughs> I love this. It was it was awesome. I mean, the whole issue is just just kind of not it's not even pol- well, kind of politics, but it's the uh, is it what do they call them? The council, the the heads, the of, quiet council. Yeah, or it's the UN, but yeah, going and meeting these representatives from different nations and kind of telling them how things are going to be now, and they better. Basically, they better get on board with this, with dealing with the mutants and treating them with respect and all that, because they've got power now and they're not going to give it up. Yeah, it was every time Jeff has explained this issue to me, because I read it last, I think. Every time Jeff explained this issue to me, he's like, "Yeah, it's like a nine-panel grid of politics with mutants at the UN," and I was like, <laughs> "Fuck, That's everything bad. about that." <laughs> yeah, and. I was enthralled the whole time. That's what Ended fucking Hickman does. Really enjoying it. Uh, the 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 setup. I mean, after you're done with it too, it seems so obvious that this is how they would do this thing, right? Like you're reading, like, oh yeah, of course they go in ready to ready to defend themselves, and people the, the like the humans attack behind the scenes and they the X Men. Fuck them up behind the scenes, and Eric Magneto is a total asshole 
very eloquently, and Charles kind of brings everything back down to earth, and but it's still also scary. flips the bird. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, like it's it's really really well done. Political intrigue with mutants and Ab and Sir in uh, suit. Dude, the apocalypse out. Dude, the apocalypse in a suit. He is like one of my favorite <clears throat> characters in this whole Don of X thing. It's just like I, he doesn't seem menacing, but he seems ancient and powerful and objective, yeah. and he just doesn't give a fuck because he's seen it all. But he doesn't like he's there's almost a kind of like you want to cuddle with him and have him like hold you in his <laughs> arms. See, my read on him has been kind of like he's rolling his eyes and playing along because he's been around for so long, yeah. and he's like, all right kids i guess we can play house yeah I, that's we'll kind play of, island house that's kind of what i think is like <laughs> i'll go to your u.n summit <laughs> yeah. i guess <laughs> i watched the united nations be born right i will watch them die yeah i love that this this issue in particular was the first because i never cared about apocalypse but this issue in particular i'm like wow I like Apocalypse. With that line of so like, do you even know what like brought about the end of the Bronze Age? <laughs> yeah. Like, we don't know or care. And Apocalypse is like, you should. What was it? <laughs> it was me. <laughs> like, and you're like, oh, fuck, man. This guy rules. So, what a tone. Yeah. One of the data dump pages here so, was a dinner menu. And that, I love that. And I thought of you because I was like, we got to get Django some watermelon gazpacho. I know. That sounds really uh, good. Yeah, I'm in for that. This is, this is what like... <laughs> no one else can do because other people are like oh we got to get the data dump in how can i get a bunch of objective information and you're like objectivism is is hickman's humor like right. he i don't know his his sense of humor is so dry <clears throat> in everything that like i bet he just giggled himself <laughs> endlessly while making this right but it has every right to be there and it should be there but like it's it's the kind of thing that like he does effortlessly, and I bet everybody else on a Dawn of X book that's trying to do those is, like, sitting on a toilet trying to poop, like, three hours yeah. before they need to. Like, right. oh, i got to get something out. I've I'm going to be on an airplane. <laughs> I don't know. I've got to do yeah, this. Yeah, this was so great because, like you say, yeah, he must have had so much fun with the menu and then being able to put, oh, yeah, in attendance, introduces you everybody here. Yeah. Here's here's yeah, my. Do you guys know is Colbert sauce? Is that a real thing or is that a reference to Steve I Colbert? I bet he loves Colbert. I don't know. <laughs> um, here's my question about the menu, though. It seems very presumptuous that everyone attending would eat meat. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, the gazpacho doesn't have meat. Yeah, but that's just your starter, right? Like, your main meal is the beef. Yeah. And if I went to that, I'd be bummed out. And I would, I would, I mean, maybe the UN contacted the X-Men and said, are you guys sending any plant mutants? Right. Or are you sending all meat mutants? I have to believe that the UN reached out to everyone that would be there in attendance. Chicken or fish? Exactly. Chicken or fish? Chicken or fish? Oh wait, we have no fishers in here. Yeah, all right, yeah. it's just check, the beef and the watermelon. The Chicken or beef? Chicken or beef? Eat my butt <laughs> <laughs> and my beef. Uh, I do like referring to gazpacho as spotchy. Spotchy, uh, but I love mm. gazpacho. So I would. Yeah, what would you give it, bud? I would give this. Uh, Jesus, this an eight Ooh. and a half, eight and a maybe half. nine. Yeah, it was. I'm impressed. I would go nine. It's really impressive storytelling. I agree. Kind of in the same way that that Thor was. Yeah, uh, where where they're they're telling a lot without 
saying much. And if you were to flip through this issue to look at it, you would fall asleep. Yeah, is it's like um, oh gosh, you know, I I don't know what it was if we were talking about or somebody else was talking about, but it it for some reason two pages in, you know, there you you just immediately care. You're carried through it. Oh, no, you know what it was? It was it was you talking about the last night on earth. Uh, number three, where you were just like, you could think about it, and maybe there's stuff to complain about it, but also, if you let Capullo and Snyder just read, a, like, write a comic book, and you just kind of get in it, you're gonna like the journey there. Yeah. There was just a weird amount of like, I love all of this, even though it's nine panel grid, people talking in politics. Yeah. It's I I I really I really loved it. It's a lot of text, which seems counter to what I say about showing and not telling, but. Um, but the text was telling, showing you something ex- that it wasn't telling exactly, you. Exactly, exactly, yeah. and and it's that man. The characterization. I mean, I love the Wakandan ambassador. The, yeah. the U.S. ambassador is just such a petty little dick. Yeah. Um, man, I'm vacillating between nine and a half and ten. <laughs> good, good, good God! Good, good God! I wish we had we the soundboard. <laughs> I don't know. Can I can I give two tens and one? Bro- you've done it all you just over did and over it. again. I think the most that you've ever done is three. I, I mean, I read both Thor and this this afternoon, and I loved them both. Lord. Just just this page of Magneto's like speech here, as he's not even looking at them, just eating. He's concentrating on his food. That is a great page. Uh, yeah, I'll go to ten. Oh, I love you. I love you for liking that. Power of ten. I'm so glad that uh, everybody <laughs> liked that, because while the other books come out. They become less and less impressive to me, and yeah. this one stays really, really awesome. Yeah, so. yeah. I read Marauders this week, and I can't tell you. What, I'm gonna what happened. It, but yeah. Okay. Good. I think I have to my remember memory. what happens actually. <laughs> as the not Marvel guy, and as the not X Men guy, I'm down to this book. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that that's a comment on how good or bad the rest of them are. They just. They lost me for various reasons. Right. Um, a lot of it is probably me just not really caring about the characters from the start. But uh, Doctor Strange from last week, Surgeon Supreme. Surgeon Mark Supreme, Wade number one. Was writing Doctor Strange spelled Doctor, and now he's yeah. writing Doctor Strange, DR Strange, Surgeon Supreme. Same guy, next mm-hmm. phase of his story. Oh, You've God. loved the yeah. stuff beforehand. Yeah, just continuing that storyline. Take a dump on me. <laughs> okay. Um, step away from the table. He was into um, it. Get on yeah. the table. Get yeah. on the table. <laughs> Lay down. You should be. I ended the Bronze Age. <laughs> <laughs> the best part of the table is I'm un- just, underneath. Just talk about the comic. <laughs> <laughs> so the art's by Kev Walker, and I I love his art because now previous storyline, Doctor Strange regained made a deal with a demon, and it, it, he wasn't sure it worked, and it worked, and he regained the surgical skill in his hands. I read that issue because you told me and it was a great issue. It was a great issue. Um, and so now he's returned to being a surgeon too because, you know, apparently when you take the Hippocratic Oath, that's for life. Right. Which I didn't know. Right. And um, it's not even like an on-balance Hippocratic Oath or he would just keep doing magic. Is that like a hypocrisy joke? No. No. I thought it was like unbalanced, like you say you're going to do a thing and not do a thing. No, you want to get I'm, the joke out there? Or, or? It's not even a joke. I'm just being an <laughs> asshole and interrupting Roman's oh. breakdown here. But but it seems to me that, yeah, Doctor Strange could do surgery on one person at a time, or he could do something bigger with his magic and like save a lot more world people. That, yeah, okay, yeah. okay, 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 okay. Yeah, and I don't know if they're going to approach that or not. But I do love that everyone on this podcast has a slight personal 
joke that they're playing on everybody else at any given time, and it is kind of just their own special secret that they're doing. Um, like how I set your cell phone where you hate that I set I my cell phone? I only just learned about that, but I do <laughs> think that that is pretty darn good. Um, what was I saying? Kev Walker, the art, yeah. he, did um, the, he said he can become the, a surgeon now. The, re- yeah, the way now. Kev Walker draws... Um, the sickness monsters and demons oh, that are yeah. kind of all in the hospital, like just hovering over everybody, and they're various. They're all sorts of different sizes and things. Wow! And, so and a couple all of them sicknesses are personified as like a demon or something. Yeah, that's little, cool. The horrible little monsters. So I mean, good. there's yeah, that thing on the first page that's hovering over the guy and huge, just one big page panel with the guy and it's all in black and white except for the demon sickness that's monster. So cool. And him saying, "How bad is it, doctor?" And there's this horrible multi-eyed. Like venom mouth teeth thing you hovering fucked. over him. <laughs> that's how bad it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the premise of this. He's still being Sorcerer Supreme, but he's also being a practicing surgeon, um, and he's trying to balance those things. And I really like the way that Wade portrays that. Like he thought about Strange, thought about making a portal from his office in the hospital straight to the Sanctum Sanctorum. He decides against it because he's like. What if somebody, what if the janitor like stumbles into it or something ends up at my place? Or even worse, what if something I've got captive at the Sanctum Sanctorum gets in the hospital? So he has to deal with like commuting right, back and forth and, and how that's cutting into his time on both of his jobs and how he helps people. And he's worried about that. Yeah. So he's doing with these like these little like stressors. He's one of those mushrooms. I like the attention, Mark Wade, his science background, the attention to uh, there's a Part of his narration here is while he's doing a, using a laser knife to do a brain surgery, and I like the just that he portrays Strange like using this machinery because you never actually touch the patient. You're it's all computer guided and everything. Scene. Yeah, like using the the actual. Yeah, that was cool, and, the, and it focuses here in a couple panels with the the knife, the needle going into the mass in the guy's head. Very cool. Yeah, and you're a guy who spent a lot of time in hospitals. I had, well, not a lot, but yeah, I've spent spent my share. I, re- I refer yeah. to you uh, in my family as the cancer killer. <laughs> I always talk oh, about like, oh yeah, I got to go watch It's a Wonderful Life with my cancer killer. Um, so I, I think it's cool the amount of like sort of medical stuff that's going on in yeah, here. Yeah, that appealed to me a lot. and Because you've been there, you've seen these things and these behaviors and these hallways. Yeah, yeah. And that was, and yeah, as crowded as the hallways are and kind of hectic and that's well sort of familiar actually the hospital i was in in swedish in seattle was never it was never that chaotic Mm -hmm. it was it was but my surgeon also said that he put me on his like his his prime yeah his prime room (laughs) you're one of the good ones had a great view um (laughs) and i just i liked his the way strange talks to the administrator and everything because um, she's concerned about the dangers he might bring to the hospital. I like that that conversation. Foreshadowing. I love the, yeah, mm-hmm. and I love the, I love the Check foreshadowing with concern. <laughs> I love the foreshadowing <laughs> with Strange dealing with the stresses of trying <clears throat> to do both things and do them both well. Because I think that is going to come to a head, like you were hoping. It's my nightmare trying to do two things well and. <laughs> Yeah, and, and strange. I just resigned to knowing I can't do two things well. I just got to do the one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like the fact that at the end a villain shows up that I certainly wasn't expecting because he's not a typical Doctor Strange villain. Well, uh, but he's it. a hospital villain. He's a hospital. Villain. <laughs> he wrecks buildings. And he's a building people villain. in the hospital. <laughs> um, ah, 
I give it a I give it an eight point five. Jesus. Fuck yeah, Roman. I love you. I give it a seven. But about half of that, more than half of that's based on the art because I really liked the art. Did you? Yeah. I give it a seven point yeah. five. Can I make a prediction? Please. I think that by the end of this series, he's going to have the realization that being a surgeon is an inefficient way to save people for him. And I wouldn't be surprised if he used his magic to help other people become surgeons. Hmm. Um, but I don't think he's going to still have the use of his hands by the time this series is over. Hmm. Um, this is the next one. It's a comic book. It's the next comic book we're talking about. I'm purred happily. <laughs> That's Parks and Recreation humor for everybody. So when I first started working at the shop, I think it was probably like right after I got really involved, mm-hmm. the first... Star Wars comic from Marvel came out. That was right around the modern then. one, right? I think you started a little bit before that, but yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was in the first four or five months. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And it was awesome to read that. It was. It was set at, in in everybody's favorite point in the series. Right. Right? Like after episode four, before episode five. The art was great. You open the page and you hear the horns when the logo is like a Double-page spread of the logo on, the, on the, the star field. That was the best part for me was, like, turning the page and seeing a double-page spread of the logo. Yeah, yeah. It, it was uh, – and you didn't expect that, and you were yeah. astounded that it did it. And now it does it, and you're like, all right, it's an issue of Star Wars. Yeah, I, I flipped s- right past it this time. I still love it. I still love seeing that. <laughs> it's, it's a great trick, but it's not as impactful yeah, yeah. in this Star Wars number one by Charles Soule. I'll tell you what. If you print uh, the logo and let me stare at it, it becomes a lot less impressive of a logo. Well, they made it 42 years ago, Jeffrey. Right, I just, like, if you only get to see it for eight seconds as it scrolls by you, it's way more impressive than you're just like, so oh, they it's just a connected beautiful, It's the... a beautiful logo because the last two letters. I think, it would, I think it would be better if the My W initials. trailed off with the S. Like, there's I like, some symmetry there that could have been done. I love the angles on the W and the A. Yeah. That's, uh, that's some nice font work there, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, Charles Soule and uh, Jesus Saez. <laughs> Graphic design boys. Drew this. Who was actually the artist on the previous run of Doctor Strange with Mark Wade? Oh, was he? He left that book to do this. Oh. Okay. Wow. So did and you read some of that. I did. Was it was the art similar? Very similar. Yeah. Okay. Because this is almost photorealistic, but I don't think that he's using the original actors for his reference because they look different than Luke actually ever looks and right. different than Leia ever actually. This looks. artist Assuming he does his own coloring or the same colorist followed him to it, mm-hmm. does this digital, a digital color gradient on skin tone. Yeah. Um, and I don't have a problem with it here or in his art because I, I think that it worked well in the Doctor Strange stuff. It's, um, he's, he's one of the colorers. It's him and Arif Prianto. Right. So I think that he, I think maybe his skin tones or something it is a thing that he's done because, yeah. because it is consistent with his Doctor Strange work. But it, like, it looks, it looks like the characters, not like the actors. And I appreciate that a lot. And I, I understand that distinction. Roman, how do you feel about that? Yes. Because like sometimes you're like you're just looking at a picture and drawing it, and I know actually, that picture. Yeah, right? I've seen that right. movie a thousand times. Right. I know the the spot that you drew that from, and this doesn't reek of that. That's not Han Solo. That's yeah. Indiana Jones. Yeah, it does. You I mean, dink. I mean, this Luke, I think, it's, no offense to Mark Hamill, but I think this Luke looks better than Mark Hamill oh, looked at that point. Poor yeah. Mark. <laughs> um, so this this issue picks up immediately after Luke gets rescued from Cloud City yeah. and has just lost his hand. They've got like a portable back to tank or some shit on his arm. <laughs> and, uh, 
and he's and he's just hanging out on the Millennium Falcon. I don't know if you knew this, but the Millennium Falcon went straight from rescuing Luke from Vader into a battle. Really? To save the resistance in this comic. In this comic, okay. yeah, yeah, and uh, it it kind of builds more of the more of the mythos about the Millennium Falcon. You know, like spoilers for the Last Jedi if you somehow haven't seen it and care. But at some point, somebody like is talking about the Millennium Falcon. They're like, they hate that ship, and it was like one of the few jokes that really. Nailed it for me in that in that movie. What, what was, I don't get that joke. Is it just like they love destroying that ship? No, like like the, the I think the Falcon draws off like seven or eight Tie Fighters out of ten, and maybe it's Finn says, "Yeah, they hate that ship," and it's just like all the Tie Fighters going after the Falcon instead of like what they should probably be trying trying mm-hmm. to fight. In this, Luke is a new Jedi. He's he's not even a Jedi yet. He's just Naked hung out Jedi? with. He's a new <laughs> oh. Jedi, and he's just hung out with. Yoda once, right? Because this is uh, be- right after he gets his hand cut off. Mm-hmm. But he uses the Force to wreck half of the TIE Fighters to to smash them into the other TIE Fighters that are chasing him. Yeah. And I thought that was really that was cl- super cool. Yeah, and that was so clever because he's not powerful enough to like physically move their ships. He just moves their throttle control so they crash into each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's I- like, man, that's great. Awesome for this. It kind of breaks all the cool stuff he could have done in everything after that, but I'll I'll allow it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have a problem with the force stuff because I'm just like, okay, I accept that. I mean, the more adept you are, that you can do more things. You can heal somebody yeah. <laughs> or whatever. That's fine. That's cool. This I, it was oh. good. Yeah, this did surprise me because I knew it was after Empire Strikes Back, but I didn't know it was like immediately after. Yeah, it's like uh, real quick afterwards. Yeah, yeah I think it yeah. starts and with his hand getting cut off. Well, that's that's him remembering it. Okay. Yeah, and then and it's yeah, it's so sad when the first time you see him because R two's just looking at him while he's all despondent sitting there on the on the seat. R two reminds me of my cat. And I love Lando arguing with Chewie and and Leia because at one point Lando is saying that. You know, we could have gone after Han and rescued him, maybe. Yeah. But you guys, but Leia, you want to go back and rescue Luke and this guy because Lando doesn't know who Luke is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Lando's Lando's like taking a lot of shit for selling yeah. him out. Yeah, they're I, all mad at him. And I'm not usually a big fan of like let's fill in the gaps in this area where we have a very defined thing that happened before and a very defined thing that happened after because there's no actual tension in that. Right? That's like, my, none of these people are going to die. That's my problem with all of these Star Wars comics, <clears throat> is that I think these movies function as full films. Yeah. And and to fill that space in, to me, I don't get any reward out of doing that. I guess, I guess at this point in consuming stories and comics and TV, I don't really feel a lot of danger for anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I... <laughs> I thought that this was pretty good. I, Actually, I wouldn't say it's nearly as good as the first Star Wars series was for me, but this is this is a fun romp. That first Star Wars series lost my interest two or three issues in mm-hmm. um, because it felt, I guess, that same thing of like, well, I know where Vader is in Empire, so right. nothing's going to happen. They can't even really meet. But this time frame... <clears throat> and everything that you guys, I haven't read this, everything that you guys just said about like the, the kind of shade being thrown on Lando, um, where the, the Falcon just went, I love that Leia doesn't look like Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher. Fisher. Um, like, I really like that. Yeah. 
this is an interesting time to me, and there's interesting representations here. It actually uh, hooks me a little bit more than Charles Soule really has in anything in a long time. And the space battle there, they're trapped between a sun and an imperial blockade, and just like all of the space scenes are a, a fucking mess of lasers and a sun. Yeah. So, like, which way do you want to die, guys? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that was great. And that commander coming up with that move, apparently, on some other battle before this, is like, wow, that yeah. that is cool. Back yeah. somebody up, back him up against a sun. Yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> I would give this a seven and a half. It, I'm probably going to read it at least for a full arc. Like, it, it's pretty good. What is Wampa? What is your score, Roman? I also read this text piece. Um, That's by an editor. It doesn't count. Yeah, he reads yeah, all of the text pieces. No, if I have time, insane. yeah. Um, you have time. It's 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 part of the book. Have you ever read uh, an Ahoy comic? Just start like the to credits in a movie. It's part of the movie. Yeah, go fuck yourself. I try to. Yeah, I, I, I get really disappointed when I when I can't manage to read all that in an Ahoy comic. I get this an eight <clears throat> eight and a half. Can we take a moment? I'll get a nine. This is the most interesting Star Wars comic that's come out for me. I love aside this. from that Kylo Ren one, which. Django, you got shade. Like you threw some shade on the Knights of Ren, and I think you got some fucking splaining to do. Okay, all right. I, I kind of agree with you about the Knights of Ren. <clears throat> Whoa, Actually. man! Our I didn't want, I didn't want to say anything either. Looking at you, Ryan. Love Sorry, you, Ryan. Uh, Ryan. Ryan and I talked about it. You didn't work Wednesday morning, and Ryan came in. <laughs> I know. I worked the evening. Yeah, I had to. Reason. I had to grovel without you <laughs> to Ryan and tell him that I was so sorry. Oh, right, that, right. Uh, cool, let's party. That I thought the Knights of Ren were dumb. You have some explaining to do. Well, listen, he, he and I came to an understanding. <laughs> okay. Um, but he's also a very sweet boy, so I can imagine he probably was like, you're a fucking idiot. He's probably still fuming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't remember what I said last time to spark this, but I don't like them because they just look like, to me, they look like generic paramilitary bad guys that could be in a like a Michael Bay... Um, Iraq uh, Marine unit. And once movie. again, I would say it's not Michael Bay; it's Peter Jackson and their ring wraiths. <laughs> uh, that's that's a much more interesting read on them. No, it's not, but it's hilarious what? that I got to just go from Bay to Jackson again today. What I like about what 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 kind of changed my mind on them was when you told me that they were. Uh, rejected Kylo Ren designs. No, I think Colette told us. That. Whoever told me that. Yeah. That made it a little bit cooler. But still, I'm glad that they were rejected designs because they are not super interesting. They just they just look like a marine group that's in a movie to me. Visually, and I could, you know, like... I want a more badass. Yeah. Ideologically, conceptually, I think they are more badass. Yeah. I, and, and costume-wise, <clears throat> I'm not over the moon about their costume, but the idea that there is this, like, secret, clandestine, Kylo Ren red led group of evil fucking people right. who are like the don't fuck with us because we will fuck you unrelentingly. Right. Um, I'm in I'm into that. I'm into like I guess it's basically the X Force of of the Empire. And I don't yeah. love the X Force, but I, I'm in I'm into that. So Roman, what did you think of the Knights of Rim? Because you were gonna say something before Jango oh. started yelling at each um, other. How was, <laughs> you were saying you agree with him. I do. I mean, they're they. I mean, yeah. They're dumbos. Every, everything you just said. I'm no, way they more look... comfortable being upset with Django than you. <laughs> no, the, I mean, I thought they looked. Yeah, this they is look my like dynamic. <laughs> they look quiet. Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you really my? Let your hand <laughs> Django's my daddy. <laughs> Grandpa. What? Um, 
No, they look like, I agree, generic, uh, badass dudes that never really do anything badass. <laughs> yeah, while we're on Star Wars. <laughs> Let's go to Olympia. Okay. Oh, fu- I mean, just There's like an Olympia and Star Wars. Fourteen minutes of Star Wars, like something's getting well, cut. You, you just you wouldn't <laughs> let me talk about Mandalorian downstairs. Okay, no buckshots. We'll talk about Olympia. Oh, no, we'll talk about Man- you, all right, you pick. All right, you all right. Pick. No, no, no. Hour forty five. That's fine. Okay, like. But you have to keep this part in. Well, it has to be in. It has to be in. Let's talk about the Mandalorian. Are you because guys both tell done you with to it? Save it? Well, wait. No, I haven't started it. No. Yeah, we well, don't fucking fuck. count because you're like the guy who's like, oh, look, like you, I'm not worried about Game of Thrones spoilers because I haven't gotten past season two. You're like, fuck you. It's been eight years. Like you just get it. You just never. Well, no, but it's it. only been what two months since Mandalorian started. I, started. Yeah. yeah. We, we bought you a Disney Plus account. You have on it. Christmas. You've had a week and a half. That was the store's account. I just haven't used it yet. Yeah. I already have my own. That's for yeah, you yeah, and yeah. Justin and Django. Yeah. Like, get it. There's no huge spoilers Mashed. for you, Roman. I really liked it. Listeners, uh, let's, we, let's, spoilers, let's, let's be spoiler spoilers light. For, we'll do spoilers light. <laughs> Just, Roman, you know about Baby Yoda. Yeah, I've seen the memes. Yeah. <laughs> I really... So there, there were a couple episodes in the middle that kind of dragged for me. I fell asleep trying to watch them. Also, I started them at like four in the morning. I think four, five, inventory. and six were, what's that? Garbage. Six was fucking great. And yeah. six led into some other really good stuff. I really I really appreciated that it felt like an eight-episode movie where they give us a bunch of stuff and things that happened early on come back and characters come back. And it's because when you're first watching it, you're like, okay... Cowboy rides into town, saves the day, rides out of town. Okay, cowboy rides into town, saves the day, rides out of town. It's it's very Lone Ranger. Um, spaghetti Western. Spaghetti Western kind of. Everybody compares it to um, Lone, Lone Wolf, Wolf and Cub. Cub because it's got a little kid in it. And that's the structure. But by the end, that's built to something more important and more impactful using people and characters from before. Um, and that last episode was directed by... Uh, Taika Waikiki? Yeah, White Waititi. Yeah. Waititi, yeah. So good. Such a good final episode. Actual stakes. Like, you're, you're playing with characters that don't have a defined future in the Star Wars mythos, so you can actually kill characters that you have grown to enjoy. Do you know what time frame that series took place in? It's five years after Empire, I think. Or no, five years after Jedi. Okay. So it's it's but it's before the new stuff. It's before the new stuff, but it's after the old stuff. So it's you know that that gives them a lot of latitude to play in. And it, Roman, I, I think that you're going to like it. I, yeah. Oh, I, we, we I won't expect spoil it will, stuff. Yeah. There's a there is. Is it an ongoing series or just that one? There's one season. More. I'm okay. sure there's. Yeah. yeah, I think they announced it for yeah. 2021, maybe. I don't know what year, but yeah, they said, said season two mm-hmm. because John Favreau had to not do as much as I would have loved for him to do because he went off to do Lion King during the making of it and now he gets to be more involved for season two because for me what I loved about it was the Jon Favreau yeah I love that man I want to go back and watch Swingers yeah I've never seen it that's that's like the first time I was aware of him and just for him to become probably the most important nerd storyteller of the last two decades, Iron it's pretty Man, impressive. He started the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, and I don't, I, I don't think he started the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but he made the first movie and mm-hmm. and and gave them the gateway to do that. Like he gave them the the setting. If this works, here are the threads you can follow, and they did it, and it worked. And he, and he's like that, and this Star Wars thing are are spectacular media 
adaptations and, and continuations. Super good. Um, I'm really excited for Roman's thoughts on it. I think he's going to like it more than I did. Uh, Mandalorian, for me, it was like I episode eight and episode three. And mm-hmm. I thought seven was very good leading into eight. One, three, and eight. I, I don't know. I, I'm just like stupid about Star Wars stuff. Yeah. I, I I love the universe and I love the spine of it. I love the main stories, but I just don't really care when it's side stuff. Glasses, um, <laughs> like, but yeah, the stuff that happens in episode eight, I think was, I really liked episode eight. Yeah, I really liked it. And I don't think you could have had that without the boring space farmers episode because it like all of that was shit, that four. That was four, and that's where you meet the girl. I didn't like. I watched four <laughs> and I watched six. And I have no memory at all of either of those episodes. I'm, but I'm 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 an anomaly for Star Wars stuff. I think if you like Star Wars expanded universe stuff, that you will really like uh, the Mandalorian series. Or if you just like cowboy movies, because when you boil it down, he's on a lot of goddamn desert planets. Yeah, riding something like a horse, and it's it 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 scratches that that western itch for me. He's like a cowboy hat away from being. Clint Eastwood. Cool. Back before like Clint Eastwood was kind of a Star Wars stuff, we keep being like, all right, there's this small pocket of time that we can explore, and then they pack way too much into it. Well, there's yeah, a character it, that never comes back, or there's a Sith guy that we're never going to see again, or it, there's a guy in a fucking very Darth Vader-y fucking TIE oh, fighter yeah. that we never hear from again in the next trilogy, so we know he doesn't matter, so what mattered? Like, I don't dislike the series. I would give the series as a whole a seven. Mm-hmm. Like a six five to a seven. <clears throat> I'd give the series as a whole probably an eight. Yeah. Uh it's definitely a TV show, not a movie. And you can watch it with one eye for a good portion of it. But between Iron Man and Chef, mm-hmm. John Favreau, whatever you want to do, I'll I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll play that game. I heard he's gonna do the adaptation for Olympia. Olympia number two. <laughs> Roman, you liked this? I did like this. It's like Hickman yeah. and Morrison and Kurt Pyers all in a big comic book. It's like they're on Hickman and Morrison streets. Yeah, 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 and quietly. <laughs> so what I what I really liked about this one... What did you really like about this one? Well, so at the end of issue number one, I think that they solicited some like preview pages for the rest of the series. I feel like yeah. a third of this issue was in issue number one. I actually really? need to do a page-by-page page comparison, but like... The scene where they're reading the comic, the, the scene where the guy is angry that Diamond shorted them comics, that was in issue number one. Oh, it was? Or unless the, the, he's playing a joke, which is that they complain about it every week, which I only just thought about. about. right. But maybe that's, but like, remember this page of Mayday and Shanghai Red and yep. Tomorrow's, that was in the first issue. Oh. So I don't know how much of this is actually repeated, but uh, I don't really know. I, it's like... It's like somebody, I think that Kurt Pyers has always kind of tried, it seems to me like he's been trying to be Grant Morrison in his comic books, and this is the first one where he's just like, I'm not Grant Morrison, but I want you to know that I love him. And and he does the same thing for Jack Kirby. Like, page three of this, page four of Olympia in the black racer outfit, there's... There's no reason for that other than just like, hey, I want everyone to know that I'm I love Jack Kirby, and <laughs> yeah. he's taken out of that costume the next page. Um, <laughs> but it is it's just, and I love, well, I love the way and the way the God Box 
like forms around his words balloons, his right. speech balloons too. It is, and it's what I liked about the first issue was that this feels like a love letter to comics, and it's not. I'm trying. His other work has felt like he's trying to be Grant Morrison. I've read the first issues of all of his comics. Um, this is the first one where he's just like, I'm not him, but. I love comics and he's working on it with his dad and it's like for his mom. Mm. Like there's a thing that's like, it's for the mom and uh, to be a, like to be a son working with his father, writing a comic book for their mom. Like, oof, that's, I can't, it's hard for me to not love that as it is, but then to have the two primary influences be Grant Morrison and Jack Kirby. But then I've spent so many months now loving listening to the cartoonist kayfabe, Ed Piscor, Jim Rugg YouTube channel and watching them go through interviews from the comics journal, which is not a thing I knew about. And then they go into the comics journal to read a fake article from this fake writer about the creation of this comic that now feels like comics journal articles that I understand yeah. about like mm-hmm. the comics journal was the opposite of wizard. Yeah. It was like, we're going to give yeah. you the brutal truth of In the comic depth. industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not even glossy pages. This is like what I like is that it's a comic book for people who know comics. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of comic books for people who like kind of get comics. But this is a comic book that's just like I don't know that it will be very successful unless you're kind of deeply steeped Mm -hmm. in comic stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. This issue and yeah, when we got to the part where he's in the comic book store and the proprietor gives him that comics journal and says, well, and he starts finding some of the answers to his questions here in the interview. As I love that because yeah. when I because I when I was uh, I don't know middle school or high school I had a subscription to the comics journal and that's where I learned a bunch of the comics history stuff. So seeing this, I was like, yeah, because because nowadays you know we can never tell if the comics journal matters anymore. No one <laughs> talks about it. Yeah, we've got a short box of it. But yeah, you want to read some old ones? Yeah, it's, it used to be. And yeah, I mean, it was the wizard of his day, except like the intellectual wizard <laughs> and then wizard came out and i think wizard probably put the comics journal in its grave well wizard was like the michael bay of the comics right journal. Yeah, yeah it was like the yeah. peter jackson of comics <laughs> journalism and then and then the comics journal is this thing that no one talks about at all anymore yeah i mean we have like do we even have one sub that still gets we the, had a guy who's, the big volumes now we have one comic well they only started reprinting it like a year ago and there's been three issues um because it, it didn't get printed for a long time. Now Fantagraphics is putting it out. Um, so Mike Moore, shout out you mm-hmm. who listens to the podcast. Um, and then at the end of this, like this, the, the creator is this suicidal guy and he's got the finished pages to the issues that weren't finished because the series was canceled and this superhero is now... It, it's a very meathead version of Grant Morrison. Mm. That sounds yeah. like what I want to read. Yeah, it it's... And it's quick. As a meathead. Yeah. And it's fun. And it's got all these touchstones with, because, you know, I was telling Jeff about this the other day about Jack Cole, who, famous comic book creator that killed himself, the height, and, but you that was. You're not a, talking to me about this. It was Justin. Yeah. Well, we're basically the same guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. More interesting. Yeah. Except, except the difference was he was at the height of his career and killed himself, and it was kind of a mystery and may still be. Is it just me looking at the comic that you guys are flipping through upside down, or does he look a little bit like the pirate from the Black Freighter? This guy? Yeah. Might be Does he? I don't remember well enough. Now listen, Roman. Last time you had a lot that. of problems with his sword. Do you still have problems with his sword? Oh yeah, his sword is goofy as hell. But, 
I mean, how, I mean how, does, how does it work? But he's a god, so that's how it works. All right, as long as we're on the same page Because there. there's, no, there's no middle part there's to the no sword. It's just two it. edges. 100%, 100%. I have, my uncle has a bass that only uses the parts that the strings or his body touches. Yeah, those are called electric, uh, electric cellos. It's just like a, a frame with no wood resonance. It's super cool. It They're looks just cool. like that sword. Well, yeah, yeah, but it's not. It's a musical instrument. <laughs> yeah, it's a musical instrument. It's not used to, like kill people murder, murder <laughs> to beat on people you know what I like about this it says end chapter 2 quote excelsior <laughs> source ancient New York proverb like just like um, I don't know it's it's for lovers of comic history and uh, I like that a lot so yeah. um, I don't know it's not it's not breaking boundaries but I think it's my favorite work from this writer and it reeks of Jack Kirby and it reeks of Grant Morrison in the best possible way. So if, if you dig those characters and you're aware of their history, I think that you would like this a lot. I personally would give it um, eight and eight, just under like a really good comic. I'm going to steal issues one and two and take them home tonight they're, and read them. They're, they're quick. No, just your yeah. enthusiasm about two issues in a row has me, has me curious enough to grab yeah. them because nothing about the the setup or what I've seen of the art really speaks to me. What do you give the score, Roman? <clears throat> seven, like, a, seven and a half. Yeah? Yeah. I think that's up from like a two from it the is. last issue, right? <laughs> yeah. It is, yeah. yeah. Can, I, can I do three really quick shout outs to give books em. that I think are going to slip em. through the cracks because yeah. of this weird Daredevil 16 thing? is fucked good. That's, there you go. Mm, yeah. That wasn't on my list, but I'm glad but that you said it. I had to throw it. mine in. Um, Kill Lock, super cool setup, super interesting art. Um, a bunch of robots, if one of them dies, all of them die. They've been exiled for various reasons. One of them dissected a bunch of robots. One of them uh, accidentally killed a bunch of robots. It's set in a robot world, which is a little bit off-putting to me, but the art is super strange and kind of haunting. I didn't read it, but I flipped through it a couple days ago, and the art is incredible. Yeah. It's, and We have like three copies left, and it's a huge speculator book also. So if you like trying to collect comics to make money, this is one of them. Yeah, or if you just like comics to read because they're good. That's like, what we're about. <laughs> you will believe that a robot can be a religious zealot. I Really interesting comic. I recommend everybody check it out. Um, also, really cool art. Yeah. I can sell you a body. I can, Jago. Listen, I like that you're here, man. I want to hang out with you, but if what you need is a body, I can sell you. You can a body. sell me a body. I can get you a body. We talk about it a little bit on our on our YouTube video this right. week. Um, it's also on Facebook, like, like Facebook, it, YouTube, like it, subscribe, comment. comment. Uh -huh. We're not good at that yet, but we're working on it. <laughs> I don't think we say it once Django, in the video. Your, sorry, Roman, could you say like it, comment, and subscribe? Yeah, like it's comment and subscribe. Yeah, YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow yeah, that was that was the wrong number of syllables. I don't yeah. know how he said that with the wrong number of syllables. Because Roman's never been on YouTube. <laughs> anyway, it's there's no porn on YouTube. <laughs> Roman doesn't care. There's porn on YouTube. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry. So here we are. It's just you and me doing porn on YouTube. <laughs> um, it's all videos of Jeff and Django. <laughs> it's remarkably unsuccessful. <laughs> Uh, I Can Sell You a Body is... That won't fit! <laughs> Take the comic out of the box, move it to the next box, and then put the comic back in the box. Then it'll fit. <laughs> uh, I Can Sell You a Body, weird detective uh, ghost story. It has things that I don't like about it, but somebody is going to really like it, and I hope that it's whoever just listened to me say that. Also, and this is weird because just like Jeff is not a Star Wars guy... We got time. Do it, you Fucking guys. Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn, number 69, written by Mark Russell. I fucking love him. 
I, I don't want to like Harley Quinn. Roman and Django. Tell me about Harley Quinn. <laughs> did you read it? I read it, yeah. Did I, you ha- laugh? I had to. It was Mark Russell. Did you laugh over and over? I did laugh. I laughed at the cover. Yeah. It's <laughs> like the setup is is the the Hamburglar, but his name is the Hambezzler because he embezzled a bunch of money, allegedly. Gets let out of jail 30 years after and like... He doesn't have a job. He doesn't have anything but a bus ticket. And the cops say, well, you know, you could go talk to Harley Quinn. I heard she needs help with her finances. So Harley hires the hambezzler and his old his old gang that is I – mean, it's just it's just like a McDonald's fast <laughs> yeah. food yeah, Instead down. of Grimace, it's Grumpus. I mean, there's a clown. Yeah, and, and McDonald, Ronald McDonald, definitely not Ronald McDonald, keeps saying while supplies last or not available in all locations. So I, I was the, – the first 30 seconds of this were me like reciting like, I'll read this if you hold me down and make me read it. And then you did all the McDonald's compare Ryan – I'm talking to you, Ryan. I know you love old McDonald's vintage stuff. Guy who got a bunch of Dude. McDonald's vintage toys. Um, there's a lot of characters that are clearly Ronald and Grimace and Hamburglar. And fuck, now I do actually yeah, feel like and, I need and, to read and it. And the yeah. two ultimate villains behind all this, the guys that started it. Oh, the what corporation. Are, what are, what are, Mark what, Russell hates corporations. Yeah, and what are their we names? Murray and, Murray and what are their names? Yeah, I don't but know. But it's two... Names begin with the same letter, just like Ray and Roy Kroc, right? Right. And yeah. Mick, that? Mick and that? Mick. The guys that the guys started, started McDonald's. McDonald's. Yeah. Roy and Rick? Haven't you watched the founder, Jeffrey? No. Oh, you right. should. Right. Um, it, I love yeah. to do the boots and pants thing. Yeah. The music in the in the dance club is boots and pants and 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 boots and pants. Yeah, I remember when some people thought that was clever. Yeah, well, it is clever. I thought it was clever because I just I just I just figured it out in this issue. He he And it's also it's it's well it's Mark Russell because there's pathos because you really feel sorry for this hambezzler guy. I just hate Harley Quinn. Because he was he was totally framed and he and he was and he was trying to be a good guy. Book of the year? Go fuck yourself. I hate Harley Quinn too. Hey, wait, wait, actually, you know what? I looked through previews this month, they're doing a uh a Harley Quinn statue from Breaking Glass. Are you going to buy that? Oh, man. You're going to buy it because Harley Quinn is your fucking Is she breaking through glass? Pervert. One of the cool things about this issue okay, is, Roman, is she's, tell me she's almost a secondary character in the issue. That's what it would take yeah. for me. And, and so she's not that annoying. That's – that. yeah. I, I've read more Harley Quinn this year than I have the I rest know. of my life all combined. As your and, business partner, I know what you've read I, this year, I, and it's a lot of Harley Quinn. Jeff, <laughs> I got to tell you, I read a couple of Harley Quinn comics that did exactly what I thought they would do, which is make me not want to read Harley Quinn ever again. Mm-hmm. Fucking Mark Russell shows up again. This is the second Harley Quinn issue that he's written. I fucking hate that guy. Dino pulled the other one out. The, I'm going to take the other Harley Quinn <laughs> issue that Mark Russell wrote. Is it the year-end one? I don't know. No, no it was it was one earlier in this series. Oh, no one talked really? about that. Really? Yeah, I had no idea that he wrote Dino. it. Dino. Dino knew. Dino. That was 161 everybody. You can <laughs> uh, get a hold of us by calling our hotline. It's a hotline. It's 1-619-663-7336. Love that. Um uh you can leave a voicemail or just a recorded message. Uh, Dino sent me an email oh. for the next Jeff's mailbag. Can't wait to answer it. I've actually been thinking about it while driving around a lot, and I just don't have an answer yet. Wow. Um, But you can do that. You can email us questions for the regular podcast. You can email us questions for a mailbag episode. Um, We would love that. We would love you. We would love for you to just come in here and say hi to us. We like all of you very much. Um, Also, we've been doing that video. 
Have oh, we mentioned it yet? Please tell us. We, so we Roman, were, tell us about liking and subscribing. We were going to get... Michael Bay. Michael Bay to do the video. Right. Um, we got a better guy, actually. We got a better guy. He's, yeah, he's cheaper, too. He wants to remain nameless. But he uh, understands but Kirby Crackle better than Michael Bay. Basically the Jackson of... Uh, Pollock. Sam Jackson? Pollock Jackson. Sam Humphreys. Sam Humphreys, Pollock Jackson. He's Anyway, we've been putting up kind of little teases for the for the podcast what did jeff and i read that week uh we talk about different books than we definitely talk about on here it'll get you through the time period between wednesday when the books come out and monday when the podcast comes what's out. really cool is that every wednesday the jango and i work together which is you know 50 weeks a month or, sorry 50 <laughs> weeks a year uh we 50, start 51 that, this year because it's we, a leap year, baby. We start the, the, the day by saying, hey, what would you read this week? And that's a genuine conversation we have every single week of, of what did you read in the 24 hours we've had to read comic? <laughs> what was the most exciting thing you read? It's one of my favorite parts of the day on Wednesday. And we've been trying to turn that conversation into a YouTube video for everybody. So if you like the podcast, if you like being in the store, I think that if you were to hit up uh, the Comics Place on YouTube, you mm -hmm. would find a weekly video that a really, really wonderful supporter of us has been putting up for us. And I think we're down to like one F-bomb per episode. We're trying to be we're... a little bit less curse boy. So your kids can watch 99.8% of it. You're just going to have to... Will, Elmer. You're just going to have to find that one little... Thing where you got to distract them when Jeff or I say it's usually Django f bomb. But I did say an f bomb in the beginning of this podcast. <laughs> anyway, one six one nine six six three seven three three six or info at thecomicsplace.com. Like and subscribe on YouTube, and we'll see you next week for one sixty two. I'm Jeff, and being made out of diamond has really made me uh, invulnerable to all of the horrible things that Django has looked at me with <laughs> in the last hour and a half. I'm Django, and. Uh... 2020's year, Jeff's going to have to hire an editor for this podcast. <laughs> because of me. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm Roman. I'm looking forward to meeting your editor. Your editor 2020. It's you, bitch. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> it's you, bitch. Do you think the creators of Killbot were inspired by Deathlock? No. The title? No.